The Gulag Archipelago was uh, written by a Nobel Prize-winning Russian author, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You can see the book here. Um, Alexander was a writer in Russia. He was uh, a critic, became a critic of communism, and uh, they put him in a gulag. And so uh, it was there that, uh, in being in prison, that he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And he, in, in the book, he writes about... Um, in 1937, so we're going to go back in time a little bit, there was a, a deputy in Russia that gave a rousing speech for, uh, in praise of Joseph Stalin, who was the, the dictator, the head of uh, Russia. And uh, when he finished speaking, everybody in the audience in the auditorium stood at their feet and started clapping. Uh, and Solzhenitsyn kind of gives a little background as to what happened uh, during that time. He says the applause went on for six, seven minutes. At the back of the auditorium, um, there were men standing, and uh, because they were in the back and not up in the front, they clapped less enthusiastically, um, less vigorously, um, Nine minutes went by, ten minutes went by, their clapping is still going on. Uh, and finally, with you know the make-believe enthusiasm, you could see it on their faces. They were they felt the pressure to impress Stalin with their applause, even though they didn't want to. <laughs> they kept going. And uh finally, after eleven minutes, um a man, the director of a paper factory, kind of assumed a business-like posture, and he, he stopped clapping, and he sat down in his seat, and something interesting happened. Everybody else in the auditorium stopped clapping, too. And uh, that night, the paper factory director was arrested. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison on the pretext of Really, it was a made-up charge, but uh, after he signed Form 206, don't sign Form 206, by the way. But after he signed it, it was the final document of his interrogation. And his interrogator reminded him, don't be the first to stop applauding. Don't be the first. Because guess what? You're going to go to the gulag because of it. And that's an interesting thought, I think, for all of us in our culture today, even as followers of Christ. We should ask ourselves really a profound question, and that is if this speech that was given back in 1937 included the denunciation of God, and would we who are Christians have joined in the clapping? Would we have done that? Or would we have just pretended to clap? You know, like the golfer clap, right? Or better yet, would we have sat up with our hands folded and not clapped at all? Where would we land in that position? Well, before we answer, we can go back to Stalin's day. We know that his regime was ruthless. Uh, He ruled as a dictator over the Soviet Union from 1922 to 1952. And although nobody really knows the number of people's lives that were lost, uh, they estimate that over one million 
died during the great purge of 1937 and 38 alone. That's not counting all the millions of others who died in the gulags, millions who starved to death from the famine of his policies that he had created. Erwin Lutzer, who is the uh, pastor emeritus of Moody Church in downtown Chicago, uh, wrote this. He said, today, in our woke political correct culture, people and corporations intensely dislike to be seen as the first ones to stop clapping. To do so is to be vilified or shamed. We look for a reason to hide. We prefer to huddle in the back of the room where no one can see us. When our hiding is exposed, we reluctantly clap. And we know that in human history, and we're seeing it even today, right before our very eyes, there is a battle raging between God and the devil. It is a battle that's raging between good and evil. And if you don't see it, I just want to encourage you to stop for a moment in your busy life and see what is exactly going on right before you. And in the midst of this, Nick mentioned it, we know that a lot of people are struggling with anxiety, depression, etc. over these past few years. And uh, we have to go to the Bible for our encouragement in Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, you, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And so I think we're living in a day, hands down, that this is the time to be all in with your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not a time to be a pacifist and, you know, I'm going to wade into the water and I'll just kind of work my way into be a follower of Christ. No, this is a time to be all in, because I can tell you that the opposite side of our culture is all in to destroy your faith. They're all in. And so today and in the future, we need to really pursue Christ and to keep our eyes fixed on him. He, he will keep you in perfect peace. He will. And that's a promise. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to read the first three verses. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Um, I have to tell you, man, I am enjoying reading the Bible. I've been doing it a long time, and I'm finding it even more and more relevant and practical. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall. 90 feet tall, by the way, the peak in this roof is 27 feet, so it's three times plus the height going up. Um, That's pretty tall. Nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. Verse 3, so all these officials came and stood before the statue. 
King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Will you join with me as we pray? Father, we worship you. We are grateful to you this morning that you are in control. You rule and reign, Lord. All power is yours. All authority is yours. And we exalt you, Lord. We promote you and your kingdom today. And we say, Lord, come walk through the corridors of our lives as we have opened your word. That you'll put a bright light into the corners of the corridors of our lives. Lord, we want to become more like you. We need you, Lord. We desire to be in radical pursuit of you. And we thank you that you're a God who doesn't keep his distance, but he come and you walk among us. I pray for every person online and those here in the auditorium. Almighty God, will you do a good work, a powerful work in each one of our lives today? We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 2,600 years ago, where were you? (laughs) Well, God was thinking about you, we know that. But uh, Daniel was hanging around 2,600 years ago, and uh, along with Nebuchadnezzar. And um, we know that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful ruler in the world of that day. Um. He had this recurring dream, of course, that uh, the head uh, of the statue was made of gold that represented Babylon. Uh, The arms and chest were silver. The belly and midsection were made of bronze. The legs and the toes were made of a mixture of iron and clay. And this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, this this statue was really minding his own business. (laughs) That's usually what statues do because they're not alive, in case you didn't know. They just stand there. And, um, and as he's dreaming this, a rock comes from heaven, a rock that was not made by human hands, but a rock that came from heaven. It was supernatural. That hit the base of that statue, and that statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream collapsed to the ground, and that kind of shook shook this man. And so, uh, just like Daniel, being in Babylon, just like his three friends in Babylon, uh, your faith is going to be tested. It already has. It will continue to do so. And um, We see that at the end of the day, and and these two words, I'd like you to write them down on your your notes, is uh, conviction or compromise. Because really, that's what this is all about. Do we have the conviction, our core values, in order to stand for the Lord, or uh, have we been compromised? Are Are we in with God partially, and we're in with the world partially, depending which way the wind blows, who we're hanging with, 
They kind of influence, uh, you know, our decisions, our choices. And so um, this is where this part of the Bible is going to land. Is there conviction? Do we have conviction in God's word? Or do we have compromise? And um, let's see, let's see where this leads us. So number one, um, in your notes, uh, God's great kingdom. We've hit that before. And real quick, verse 20, verse 20 chapter 2, verse 44, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. What does that mean? It will never be destroyed or conquered. What does that mean? That means it's never going to be destroyed or conquered, right? It's not going anywhere. Verse 45b, the great God was showing the king that what will happen in the future. So, Daniel was promoting God, and he was um, really applauding God's great kingdom, which Daniel was a part of. And so that was good news. And in the process of of that, it looks like initially when Daniel uh, interpreted the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar initially fell down in front of Daniel. Daniel says, no, 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 not me. It's not about me, man. It's about God, the one true God in heaven. He's the one that gave me the ability to interpret this dream. And we see that transition um, that Daniel uh, was the influence on Nebuchadnezzar, whereby he applauded God. And it looked like God was working in Nebuchadnezzar. He was kind of like bumping him along to transition out of this pagan culture and all these phony baloney gods that he was worshiping, along with all those in Babylon, to the one true God. It it looked like there was some movement in the process. So, number two, we see Daniel and his band of brothers were promoted. And, you know, because of the interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar kept his word. He promoted Daniel. And Daniel says, what about my three buds here? Uh, they could be my left-hand men, you know, in Babylon. And so Nebuchadnezzar gives him a thumbs up, and that's cool. So that's the tail end of chapter 2. And now uh, time can change things. Number 3. And we see in verse 20 that Daniel praised God for all of his wisdom. And verse 21, he controls the course of world events and he removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholar. So once again, we see Daniel is promoting, he's promoting God uh, to Nebuchadnezzar. And um, Nebuchadnezzar is, is yeah, yeah that's, that's probably true. And we see that um, time, time changes things. Two weeks ago, I, I mentioned the fact that 16 years had passed since Nebuchadnezzar had this encounter with Daniel that, yeah, God is the one true God. There seemed to be movement, but 16 years had passed and now Nebuchadnezzar's heart had become hardened again. And how easy that can happen in life. Because even some of you, and I, I myself included at times, life can beat you up and you can become calloused in life because of 
life being hard, the pain, and maybe the questions that come after that. And it's easy to drift away from God and say, man, I tried that. I'm just going to coast from here on out. I, wanna, I want you to put a line in the sand 16 years ago. Can you go backwards in your mind where you were 16 years ago? And for those teenagers here, you're probably thinking, well. <laughs> we'll let that one go for now. We have to be in pursuit in our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're just coasting or cruising, and that's why, that's why I, it, it, I have a hard time understanding this, how people who say they're followers of Jesus Christ kind of come and go in church. You know, they kind of come whenever it works for them, you know, whenever it's convenient. Man, again, these are the days where we should show up as much as we can. Stop making excuses and saying, man, I, it's on the calendar. <laughs> We're going. And because um, we need each other. I, I, I see it every time I'm here, you know. Just cool being with the dudes and the ladies, right? And getting into the studies and singing. Singing was so good today. And, and Nick, I like, he says, man, we push, the, we push it in the diaphragm. If we're going to sing, let's sing, right? We're not here to hum. Or I'm going to sing in my mind. Your mind doesn't need to be sung to. You know, this is about, and God's not hard of hearing either. You know, somebody think, man, he's so old, he's probably got, you know, hearing aids up. Don't go down that road, man. But God loves when his people praise him. Because it changes you from the inside out. It really does. So, yeah, I even getting, I, you've heard me say that I was getting ready this morning, had worship stuff on, and God's presence was just good, you know? And we come in here, we're already ready to go. We don't come in here trying to get ready to go. We're already ready to go when we come in. Right? You can talk to me, man. Come on. Come on. Is that right or wrong? Yeah. So there's preparation that we, we come in here ready. We're ready. So um, we see in verse 47, two, the king said to Daniel, truly your God is the greatest of God. So there, there's movement. And 16 years goes by. And none of the dream has been fulfilled that Daniel said would happen in the future. Five years goes by, 10 years, 15, 16 years, and Nebuchadnezzar starts thinking, man, that was just, maybe Daniel had pizza too much on the, you know, the night he interpreted that dream. Nothing's going on with this dream. I will be king forever. Nobody's going to take me out. And so we have to be careful, friends, we, we, and I, I'm, I was guilty of this at one time in my life. I put a timeline on God on how he should do things in my life. And because he didn't do it on my timeline, I got ticked off at him. And I got angry at him. 
I got bitter at him. And I felt sorry for myself. But Peter says something very similar in 2 Peter 3, 3 through 4. He says, I want to remind you that in the last days, are we in the last days? We are in the last days, friends. When Israel became a nation for the second time in 1948, Bible prophecy just exploded. We are, we are in the last, the last days. Peter says, scoffers will come. What, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to mock the truth and follow their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promises that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. You see that little factor of doubt that starts to creep in? Oh, yeah, I've heard Jesus was going to, you know, when I was growing up back in the in the middle 70s, early 80s, that's all you heard about, man, was Jesus was coming. <gasps> and there were certain authors that put exact dates when it would happen. And it was interesting when, when that came to light in the church in America, that church attendance spiked. Attendance at prayer meetings spiked. And then when it didn't happen, whoo, it just kind of fell off all over again. Friends, we need to dial into the fact that Jesus is coming and he can come at any time and I want to be ready. And I'm not going to let anything get in my way. I want to stay hungry after God. I want to pursue God. Because if you leave any room in there, let me tell you something, the enemy will put his foot to get access into your life. You'll do that. So you don't want to make any room for that to happen, right? So thank you, Peter, for bringing us up to date, even in 2023, that there are scoffers that are mocking us to say, Jesus said he was going to come a long time ago, and he still hasn't come. Nothing's changed. Oh, yes, it has. So... Time can change things. I listened to a podcast from John Cooper last week. And John Cooper, by the way, is the lead singer for Skillet. And I, I, I have to tell you, Skillet is not my kind of music. You know, in case you're wondering out there, you know. But I like my man John Cooper. Because he doesn't consider himself a prophet, but I, I, I see him as he's kind of a prophetic voice in challenging the church to keep its light bright in the days that we're living. And this is what, this is what John had to say. We have a lot of Christian artists, and he's, he's talking about time is changing things because in the Christian music industry, things are changing. I don't know if you're, you track it at all. But he said, the Christian artists, they're unashamed to say the name of Christ, but absolutely ashamed of his character. Do I love God for who he is? Do I love his character? If you do not love God's character, then you don't actually love God. To love God means to love who he is. 
It is to keep his commandments. Think about where your loyalty lies. And that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to do. They had a question, where does my loyalty lie? Does it lie with Nebuchadnezzar in this kingdom of Babylon, or does it lie with my mighty God and his kingdom? I think we would see spiritual renewal in America. I'm talking about a full turn upside down. If Christians in America would just get dead serious about holiness. It's about the church going, we're going to be so dead serious about holiness that we're going to become the light of the world. The problem in the church is we don't believe that holiness matters that much. We want to be holy like God is holy. We want to be like him. Isn't that right? Isn't that why we do what we do? We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind every day, continuing on that sanctification process, being made more like Christ every single day. I raise my hand. That's me, man. That's me. When you put your faith in Christ, that's justification. Just as if you never sinned in the eyes of God, because he takes your sin and puts his holiness in you. So when the Father sees you, he sees his Son's holiness in you. That's the beginning. But the sanctification process is the lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus. I have not arrived. There's a whole lot more that God has to do in me, and that is so cool to let him happen, to let God have his way and to continue to work in your life to change you more into the very image of Jesus Christ. That's what keeps you fired up, man. If you just put it on coast and cruise control in your faith, Christianity will become boring. It'll become a religion. It'll become dead. But can I tell you, man, I'm having fun being a follower of Jesus Christ. How about you? And I'll tell you, holiness... I love holiness. I'm not legalistic on this, man, but I I believe in holiness, just like John was saying, man. So I've put a few verses together that echo what John has to say, and I think it's... Travis hit this last week, which was very good, in Ephesians 5. But I think sometimes... Even as followers of Christ, we need to be reminded. And I, I went through First John about 10 days ago, and there were a lot of things that hit me that resonate with what John Cooper had to say. Will you join with me as we read those verses? Will you do that? Good. First Peter 1.15, but now you must be holy. You must be holy. It's not, I don't want to be holy. I don't want, no, no, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Is that a suggestion? No, it's a command. That's pursuing sanctification. 1 John 3, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because we don't know him. 
Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. In other words, John's writing about the day when Jesus comes. Verse 3, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Should we read that verse again? And all, who's all? If you're a follower of Christ, that's you. All who have this eager expectation. In other words, it's not the whole hum. Well, Jesus may come, he may not come. No, he's coming, man. And I'm eagerly expecting it. Woo, baby! Come, Lord Jesus, come! Because I'm ready. Will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. We, we read an article a few weeks ago where the author was talking about the, we've lost the expectancy of Jesus coming again. And because of that, that desire to be holy has drifted out of the church. But when you have that expectation that Jesus is coming, you do and you live like John says, with eager expectations, you will keep yourselves pure just as he is pure. And it's fun. It's rewarding to walk in victory. And Jesus, verse 5, came to take away our sins and there's no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Followers of Christ that rationalize why they can sin because God's grace, you cheapen God's grace. You dilute God's grace. Who have been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he wants to do in your life and my life. And those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. Isn't it cool? So they can't keep on sinning. Why? Because they love Jesus so much and they know Jesus loves them so much they can't do it. They don't want to do it. Ten, so now we can tell you who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Chapter 5 of 1 John, verse 2, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. Is that right? That's what John Cooper's been talking about, and it's in the Bible. Verse 18, we know that God's children do not practice, make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Verse 21, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Friends, in 2023, we have to be fully in on that verse, to keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Time changes things. It happened in Nebuchadnezzar, but you look at Daniel and his three buddies for 16 years, they pressed on with God. 
in a pagan, all-out evil culture. They pressed on, and they thrived. And Jude 4, Jude, half-brother Jesus again, didn't put his faith in Jesus until after the resurrection. Jesus said who he was, and now I believe it. Somebody comes back from the dead, you got to be the son of God, right? Verse 4, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. That's cheap grace. When you start making excuses why you can sin because of God's grace. Friends, time changes things. And we need to pursue Jesus like never before, right? Yeah. Let us, as Daniel and his friends, not allow time to deplete our faith, but build it for God. Time changes things. October 7th of this year, time changed things in the world. When Hamas, the terrorist group, attacked Israel, it was a trigger that the bomb exploded in our world because of that one incident. Even in America, Jewish Students at Columbia University don't feel safe on their campus any longer. You can go across America at our universities and beyond. In New York, you had a group of Jewish students locked in a library because there were terrorists that were pounding on the walls to assault them in America. Time changes things. On the 28th of October, a mob storms the Dagunstan airport in Russia in search of Jewish passengers from Israel. The airport in Russia's Muslim southern region closed after hundreds stormed tarmac and climbed onto the plains. Local people have besieged the hotel in search of Jewish guests and stormed the airport after reports emerged that a flight from Tel Aviv was arriving in the city. Passengers were forced to take refuge in planes or hide in the airport for fear of being attacked. I don't know if you saw what was going on in our country and around the world yesterday, friends. The protest, the rioting going on for promoting Hamas anti-Jewish protests in Washington, D.C., storming the White House fences. The anti-Semitic graffiti calling for death to Israel was discovered as thousands of pro-Palestinian protesters descended on Washington, D.C. yesterday. Demonstrators also gathered in London, Berlin, Paris, Istanbul, and other major cities in the world. You see what happened? A terrorist group attacks a civil nation and the whole world explodes. Time changes things. 
suddenly there was a dividing line. Either you're pro-Israel or you hate Israel. It's one or the other. It's a dividing line. Time changes things. And we see in our country, it doesn't matter who you stand for. And I'll lean in a little bit farther here. What's happening, imagine yourself as being a Jew in America or around the world. Where do you go for safety? Just put yourself in their skin right now. People are hunting you down because of the hatred. Where does that come from? That comes from Satan himself. Because the Jews are God's chosen people. And Satan knows that. And he puts that hatred in people. Can I tell you how that's going to bleed into? It will bleed into the community of followers of Christ. That could be the next step. As you saw the trigger pulled on October 7th, people came out of the woodwork for hating Israel. Something very similar like that can happen in the Christian community. The hatred for the things of God in our nation. That is why, like Daniel and his three friends, they were resolute in their convictions on why they lived and who they lived for. And that's the question we've got to ask. Because we don't know when that can happen. But we know a trigger can be pulled and things can change overnight. Warren Wearsby, Christian author, pastor, said, the world changes, circumstances change, we change, but God's word never changes. That's where you can put your trust. Number four, looking at the plain of Dura, verse 1, chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Let's see the map here. Um, I've got my finger. You see Babylon in the red? Boom. You go six miles outside of the city, and that's the plain of Dura. And where is six miles from here? You could go to Blue Mound State Park. That's six miles. And that's the west uh, observation deck right there. Isn't it beautiful? It almost makes you feel like you're in heaven right there. Right? So after church, drive up to Blue Mound State Park, and you say, that's six miles. That's how far I was from the plain of Dura out of Babylon. And... Um, Daniel is writing about this because Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed about that statue and over 16 years his mind transitioned to this thing's not going to happen. I'm always going to be the world power. Therefore, I'm going to build a statue honoring me, me, myself, and I. Because that's what dictators do. Stalin did it in Russia. They demand loyalty from their populace. And so he builds his statue on the plain of Dura. 
And the crowd is saying, man, we've never seen anything like this before. You know, they've got their cell phones out. They're taking photographs of each other up by the statue. Wow, man, when the sun hits that statue, the gold, it's gold from not just for the head, but all the way down, man, it's gold. They impress each other with those selfies and the statue. The statue could be seen for miles, man, when the sun lit it up in the daylight. And Nebuchadnezzar is patting himself on the back, saying, this dream that Daniel told me about is never going to happen. I've waited 16 years. I'm going to pat myself on the back because I am the strongest man and power in the world. And he believed that lie. Today, where do you land when it comes to conviction versus compromise in your life? I had a conversation with uh, a teenager here about six months ago, and they were talking about how lonely they felt because they were being made fun of of their faith in Jesus Christ. And they said that even supposedly Christian people they know, their peers, they were part of that mocking, making fun of them because of their faith in Christ. Those are the times when you have to drill down in your own personal faith and realize that God loves you very much and he's not going anywhere. And you build your identity in Christ. It's not the affirmation from your friends, supposedly. But these Christian friends that they slid over to their non-Christian friends because they didn't want to become different, see? And we see that even as adults, depending on where we are, who we're with, who we blend in with, who we become, who we are. Friends, people want to see people with integrity. You say you are this, then you need to live it, right? You need to live it and model it because people are searching in our world today. 